Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. All right, y'all may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Wow, what a great day. What a beautiful weather. What a beautiful day to be alive. God is good. Amen? We should say, like, God is good, and then everyone's like, all the time. Anyways, um, <laughs> so last week, Aaron finished out our Beatitudes series. Wasn't that just an amazing nine weeks that we spent together doing the Beatitudes? Um, I felt like I just, it's, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, it's, it's things that we've heard before so many times in our Christian walk, if we have been believers for a while. But when you get fresh revelation from God for the season and the moment that you're in, it's just so impactful. And I know that there were so many things that God spoke to me during that where I was like, ah, this is so new and fresh to me. And I just, I was meditating on it and loving it. So today, um, we are switching gears. We're not in a series right now, this moment, but I'm going to be speaking. This is not the title of my message, but, um, on a level of surrender. And I feel like as we are winding down from the Beatitudes and we're, we're going into the summer and we're thinking about what God is doing, what God is saying, you know, it's not necessarily about going up, but it's about going down and letting our roots go down. And in that place of surrender, finding God and in that place of laying everything at his feet, saying, God, here I am. Do you guys want that? Amen. Why don't we just say that for a second? God, here I am. Take me down deep. Before I can go up, I need to go down. I surrender to you. Mm, So good. Well, if you have your Bibles, or if not, please turn to the screens. But we're going to read from Genesis chapter 22 this morning. So buckle up. We're going to read the Word of God. We got a a passage to read through. We're going to be reading Genesis 22, 1 through 18. All righty. It says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son, Isaac. He woke up early in the morning. I don't know about you, but if God had told me the night before, Abraham, I'm going to take you to a mountain and you're going to sacrifice your one and only son. I think I would not be getting up early in the morning. I think I would sleep in and be like, maybe if I just sleep in, go get some brunch, go, I don't know, busy my time. Maybe by then God will change his mind, right? I don't think I would be like up early in the morning. Here I am, Lord, ready to go. But there's Abraham saying, here I am. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. As I reflect on this verse in verse three, where Abraham, he rises up early in the morning. He saddles his donkey. He takes the young men. He cuts up the wood. He he goes. It's like sometimes it's so practical, our obedience to God. It looks so practical. It's him actually doing the things to get to the place where he needs to go and sacrifice. He knows that if I'm going to go sacrifice Isaac, I'm going to need wood. I'm going to need a donkey to carry my things and this wood. I'm going to need men there with me. And he does all of the things to prepare himself for this moment of sacrifice. 
And I want you to ask God just for a moment as we are reading through this passage, what does God want you to sacrifice in this season? Can you imagine the heartbreak of the father in this moment that he's preparing the wood? He's preparing to sacrifice his one and only son. I love this story because it has so many parallels to Jesus, right? You have the our heavenly father, God, who is preparing to sacrifice his own son, his one and only son, Jesus. And then Isaac's there and he's getting the wood and God's there and the heartbreak that he's watching his own son carrying the wood on his own back to the cross. I just love this verse, this passage. Verse four, it says, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. God will provide. You know, as we step out in obedience, as we step out in surrender, God will provide. Everything that you need to accomplish, what God is asking you to do, he will provide. Amen? Verse 9, when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. See, even in this moment, his surrender has not stopped. It's the same here I am when God's calling him saying, I want you to sacrifice your son in the early morning. And he's there in that moment still saying, here I am. I love this story. It's so good. (laughs) Verse 12, he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And as it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. In other words, in the presence of the Lord, it shall be provided. All that you need is provided in the presence of the Lord. All that you need is already in the presence that you have access to, that God has given you. Amen? God is our provider. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offering shall possess the gates of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. 
Let's just pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. (laughs) I thank you that you are living, you are breathing, you are speaking to us this morning. And I ask, Lord, that as we as we go through this message today, would our hearts be open to you, to what you have to say to us, Lord. God, help us live from that place of surrender and the place of obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. See, in this story, we see that God is testing his son, Abraham. How many of you in here like tests? All right, we've got one weird person in this room. All right, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Who remembers... You know, at the end of a school year, we would have these big tests, right? You know, all through middle school, all through high school. And then if you want to go to college, you got to take the ACT, the SAT. Anyone remember those? It's like you wake up in the morning, you got to get there at 7 a.m. And it's like a six-hour test. And you're like shivering and shaking and you're in a hoodie and you're just like, oh, this is terrible. And it's like multiple choice. And they even count your score against you. If you get it wrong, you get like a quarter of a point like deducted. And that is so against my personality because I'm like, I have to answer every question. Even if I don't know it, I feel like a bad student if I don't answer it. But it it like counts against you. They test, those kind of tests, they seem to trick you up. Even the driving test. I'm taking the driving test when I was like 16. And the question on the test is they put a picture on the screen. And it's a completely different picture that has to do with the question. And it totally tricked me up. And so my dad drove me down to the DMV. We waited in line. down on uh, Spring Forest, the worst DMV, super full all the time. So my dad's there for like two hours with me. And I go in there, I'm 15, taking my driver's permit. And um, I take the test and I get, you're allowed, I think, three wrong and I get four wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, oh gosh, now I got to go tell my dad that I failed. So I walk over and he's like, did you pass? I'm like, no, I failed. He's like, we just waited for two hours for this. And I'm like, I know. Anyways, it was, it was terrible. So I had to go back take it again. So I do not like tests. Okay. I took like the ACT and the SAT as many times as you could. Cause they were like, your college will take your average best score. Oh, stressful. Thank goodness it's done. But tests, tests have a purpose and a goal. Okay. And here God is testing his son, Abraham. And these tests are to, you know, any average test is to find out how developed is this student. I want to know how much they know. And if you have a well-intentioned school, a well-intentioned teacher, tests are not meant to trip you up. They're just meant to see how much you know and maybe what you don't know, how far, how far you're developed in this subject and how much you still need to learn. And God, he tests us. And I know this is a pretty unpopular subject (laughs) and maybe a little uncomfortable for some of us. But the reality is, is that God uses tests to see, can we carry the prophetic promises that he's given to us? Can we steward the promises that he's given to us? And he knows how we can do this because he sees if we can carry it through a storm And if we're able to hold on to his promises, even when the testing is hard and even when it looks like our world is crumbling, can we still hold on to the promises that God has for us and hold on to know that he is good and he has our best intention at heart. And so with tests, we're always examining our, our growth and maybe our lack of growth. And 
God decides to test Abraham. You know, here's Abraham. He's highly anointed. He's got prophetic promises over his life. God has said, you're going to have as many children as the sand on the seashore. You're going to have as many children as the stars in the sky. And he's, Abraham's declaring he's ready to go to the next level. He's got his promised son now. He has Isaac and God's like, I'm going to test you. And so the title of my message this morning is surrendering the promise. Because here we see Isaac being tested by God, being asked to surrender the promise that he just received. The promise that he had been waiting for. You know, Isaac is the the best manifestation of God's goodness in his life. And now God is saying, will you lay him down? And so when I was asking you earlier, what is God asking you to sacrifice this morning? It's what is the greatest goodness in your life that God has given you? Are you willing to lay it down for him? So how we do on a test reveals if we're ready to go to the next level with the Lord. Are we ready to carry on that promise that he's given us? Are we mature enough? Are we obedient enough? Are we surrendered enough? So we go through this testing and, you know, people are like, well, God doesn't test us. Well, actually, God didn't even spare his own son, Jesus, from testing. You know, By his spirit, God sends Jesus into the wilderness to be tested by the enemy. That's proof right there that God tests. (laughs) If he didn't spare Jesus from testing, he probably is not going to spare us from testing. But like I said before, a well-intentioned teacher or school is not testing you to trip you up, but to see if you're ready to go to the next level, to see if you are prepared for the next level. And when we set comfort up as the goal, as we, sorry, when we set comfort as the goal of our Christian faith, then we've decided to follow a different gospel. And I've noticed that those of us where we want comfort, like all the time, we, you know, we follow Jesus because we think we're going to get his blessings. We think that we're going to walk in abundance and provision. Yes, we will. We will walk through all of that, but that cannot be our goal. You see, God, when he tested Abraham, he had three different goals in mind, okay? And none of them were comfort. So his first goal for Abraham was, did Abraham fear God? And the fear of God is not, again, a popular message today. The fear of God. It means, do you respect God enough to obey him despite the challenges? Do you revere him enough to, to do what he's asking, even if it means laying down the thing that you treasure most. Just let that sink in for a moment. Just ask yourself, just like examine your life for a second. Do, do I fear God? Do I have a holy fear that when he asks something of me that's sacrificial, that I say yes, no matter the cost? Just like Abraham in this. Here I am. Here I am, God. Here I am. Is that our first response or are we like pulling a Jonah? I'm getting out of here. And it's good. It's challenging. It's challenging for myself to ask that of if God was to ask me to lay something down or if there was this dream in my heart, am I in a place of surrender enough to lay it at his feet? When I don't see it, when he's asking too, what feels like too much of me, can I do it? Can I walk in that place of surrender with him? 
And this kind of fear of God, it's not so much, it's not being afraid of God, first of all, but it's a fear of, I, I am so connected to the heart of God. I love God too much to be distant from him. It's not, I'm afraid to be near him. It's, I'm afraid to be away from him. That's the kind of fear I'm talking about. It's not that we fear who he is. It's that we fear a life without him. Because disobedience always creates distance. And if we fear God enough to be obedient to him, we can't fathom the idea of being distant from his presence. I cannot imagine a life where I am distant from the presence of God, where I can't hear his voice, where I can't press in, where I can't pour out my love to him. Like that sounds terrible because I love him too much. But in that place of his presence is surrender. And surrender isn't always easy. It's not always comfortable. And it often means laying down my life and my agenda to gain him and only him, him and his agenda. Amen. So God's three goals. One, did Abraham fear God? And two, how prepared is Abraham really? How prepared is he to go to this next level? How prepared is he to carry out what God is asking him to do? And number three, will he really truly submit and obey me no matter the cost? Will he hold nothing back? You see, that's testing. Will he really truly submit to me? And, you know, we sing these worship songs. I'll give you, I'll give you all of my worship. And we're there, we're like, yes, I'll give you all. And it's like, God's like, tithe. And we're like, I'll give you some of my, some of my worship. And he's like, serve. And you're like, I'll give you just a little bit of a little bit of my worship. Sorry, I'm not trying to be mean. (laughs) I'm being real, even with myself. It's challenging myself when I'm preparing these messages. I'm like, ooh, I said to Devon, he's like, are you ready? I said, ooh, this is a spiky message. But it's spiky for me too challenging because this is real. This is like, this is what I wrestle with to myself. I'm here saying, God, I'll surrender everything. I'll give you all of my worship. And then he asked something of me and I'm like, not that part. (laughs) Oh, not that thing. Investigate your life this morning. In the midst of blessing is testing. And I've noticed that the people People who walk in a lot of blessings, if you talk to them, they've gone through a lot of testing. They've gone through a lot of testing to get where they are. But that's also an encouragement because it means if you're in the middle of testing, that there's always a blessing that comes after that. And God will, he'll test us for good reasons to see if we fear him, to see if we um, are ready to go to the next level, to see if we're ready to do what's really hard to do. But when God tests you, James James 1 verse 2 says, count it all as joy when you meet trials. And these were, the word trials is also the same Greek word for test, for testing. Count it all as joy when you meet testing. Count it all as joy. That means when you are surrendering to God, when you are laying down that promise at his feet, when you are obeying his voice, You don't have to do it from a place of sadness. You don't have to do it from a place of depression, feeling like I'm missing out. I'm, I'm going to lose it forever. No, James says we get to count it all as joy when we endure 
testing when we meet testing. Turn to your neighbor and say, count it all as joy. God's not trying to trap us. It's an opportunity for us to go to the next level, right? And we have to be discerning enough and connected enough to the heart of God to be able to discern that his test for us is not a trap, but it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to go to the next level with him in our walk with him. But like I said, you ha- we have to be discerning enough, connected enough to the heart of God to know that he's good, to know that truth. Because if you don't, you'll see that test as warfare. Right? There's some of us over here that are like, the devil's testing me. He's sending things and we're praying for it. We're like, Baba, get this thing out of my life. And God's like, I'm testing you. It's not the devil, it's me. How many things do we look at as the enemy coming to take something from us and God's actually like, that's me. I'm testing you. We have to be able to discern what's warfare and what is actually God testing us. But it feels like it's warfare because we don't like to see that side of God, right? We want the comfortable side of God. But we see all throughout the Bible, prophets, teachers, ministers, preachers, they all went through testing Jesus. And that may be a reality for us. And you're not trying to kick out a demon in that moment. You're discerning whether that's God using this moment and opportunity to test me to see if I'm ready to go to the next level with him, to see if I'm in a place of surrender. He's testing my heart. He's testing our heart. See, when you get well acquainted with the son of suffering, (laughs) you know, you might be in a moment where they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. But then you also might be in a moment where they're saying, crucify him, crucify him. And you might be preaching a sermon on the mount. You know, I'm using these as like figurative, right? Matthew 5. Or you might be in a moment where you're sweating blood in Gethsemane. But there is a side of Jesus that is the son of suffering. And I love as Aaron, you know, as he was preaching in the Beatitudes, he was, he laughed with me. He's like, man, I got the worst ones. Not the worst ones, but he's like, I got mourning and I got persecution. Not the worst, the hardest, the most challenging. But when you are well acquainted with the son of suffering, you can walk through the suffering that you go through, knowing that he's already walked through that himself. And you will endure it with joy. Like James said, we will endure it because it's a divine opportunity to enter into the promised land and the paradise that Jesus has waiting for us because he did that right? If that's where Jesus is going, I'm going there too, but I might have to endure this first, but that's where I want to go. I want Jesus personally. I don't know if you feel this too, but I want Jesus more than I want my own comfort. And I want Jesus more than I want my own convenience. And I want Jesus more than the thing that he's given me, more than the blessings that he's given me. I want him more than the promise that he's given me, more than the promotion he's given me, more than anything. I want Jesus more than that. And that's what it means to be well acquainted with the son of suffering, is to say, I actually want Jesus more than the things that I've prayed for and longed for. 
I care more about him. So as we continued reading this story, God says to Abraham, I want your one and only son, right? He says that. Now, if you've read the book of Genesis before, we actually know that Isaac was not Abraham's one and only son, right? There was a slave called Hagar that Abraham tried to have a baby with because the impossibility of his wife, Sarah, having a child was not there, or the possibility yet was not there. And so he tried in his own strength to fulfill the promise of God by having a child with Hagar. And we have Ishmael, who is the son of Abraham. And Ishmael, he receives a blessing from God, but he is not the he does not receive the covenant because he is not the promised child of, of Abraham, right? You guys following? And he is in fact a byproduct of Abraham and Sarah trying to fulfill the promise of God on their own, in their own strength. You see, when you give birth to something in the flesh, you have to steward it in the flesh. But when you give birth to something in the spirit, you get to steward it with the spirit. And so... He's there and God says, I want you to give your one and only son. And he's like, no, not Ishmael, not Ishmael, Isaac, the one, the promised covenant son, the thing that you love most in this world, the thing that will fulfill the promise and the covenant that I've given to you. Can you imagine the thoughts flashing through his mind? But God, this is the covenant son. This is the one you actually sent to me. How can I give this? And God may very well ask you to give up the thing you love the most. The thing that you've prayed for the most. The thing that you've longed for the most. The thing that you've dreamed about. The thing that's kept you up at night praying for. The thing that you've woken up early in the morning thinking about. God very very well may ask you to lay that down. Just like how he did for Isaac. The greatest manifestation of goodness in your life, he may very well ask you to bring it to the altar. And God, as he asked Abraham to lay Isaac on the altar, you know, that sacrifice would have been burned up with fire. And God's saying, what what are you going to put on the fire this morning? You know, John the Baptist, he talks about how there's going to be one who comes after him who will baptize you with fire. And fire is meant to burn up everything that is not of God. So that all that's left is God. And God may ask you to lay down that biggest blessing, surrender that promise on the altar and burn it up in his fire so that the only thing left is him. And so that the only thing that you can put your trust and dependence in is him. You see, because Abraham thought that In this moment, he thought that now his legacy was going to continue. He's had the promised son. And he put his faith and his trust in Isaac to do that, not God. And God is testing him to say, will you still trust me that I will fulfill my covenant with you even when I ask you to lay down what you think is going to fulfill my covenant with you? You guys are just like deadpan staring at me. You got it? Abraham is putting his trust in Isaac and not God. Ask yourself for a moment this morning, investigate, what am I putting my trust in this morning? Not God. 
Am I putting my trust in my paycheck every week? Or am I putting my trust in God? When God takes away that paycheck, am I putting my trust in him? Or am I putting my trust in man, in my boss, in my company? Maybe God's promised you a child and you've had, you know, you're pregnant and you're terrified of miscarriage or you're terrified, whatever. And God's saying, do you trust me enough to fulfill my promise in you? Is your heart surrendered? When I say lay it down, I don't mean give it up. I mean, lay it at his feet and watch him resurrect it, right? I'm not saying you have to lay it down and walk away from it, but it's a part of your heart that says, God, even if you take it, you're still good. I'm still going to lay it down at your feet over and over and over again because I trust that you are the one that's going to fulfill your promise and your purposes in my life, not in my own strength. See, Abraham, he tried to fulfill his promise in his own strength by having Ishmael. And God's testing him again and saying, no, (laughs) I've given you the son, but do you trust and do you trust me? How are you going to respond? You know, some of you in, in your seats this morning, you've already identified what God wants you to lay down. We haven't even gotten to the altar call and you've already been thinking about it because it's glaring in your life. It's the thing we put our identity in. It's the thing we, we like, you know, hold up high. Withholding what God wants in, on his altar is proof that you don't fear him. It's proof that you don't trust him. And that's what he's testing. When God asks you to do hard things and you ignore him, it's proof that you don't trust him. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. We don't know what we're doing. Forgive us, Lord. You know, I was, um, I was a competitive swimmer most of my life. And I always had a, a goal and a dream that I would, like, go and swim in university. But I also wanted to go to ministry school. And you can't do both. <laughs> and this, like when I say I was a swimmer, it's like my hair was green because I was so blonde, right? My hair was green. It was my identity, guys. I held on to it, even in my hair, right? Green hair over there. Yeah, girl. <laughs> you guys are like, what? No, if you're blonde, your hair turns green and chlorine. All right. Um, so <laughs> swimming was my life. My parents, my poor parents. Now I'm a parent and I'm driving my son to soccer like three to four days a week. I get it now. That they, like, when you see the bumper sticker, swim taxi. It's like, no, they were driving me five to six days a week for years and years, a decade. And this was everything to me. And God is like, I want you to go to ministry school. And so I laid down that dream of my heart, surrendered that to him, and was like, God, I trust this thing that I hold everything to, this identity. I lay it down at your feet. Because I know that there's something else for me. And that, that was the best decision I ever made. Because who knows what the trajectory of my life would have been. Who knows where I would be. Would I even be up here right now holding this microphone if I didn't make that choice? The difference between bench warmers and world changers is swift obedience. And God... <laughs> It's saying quickly and responding. So in this moment, one, Abraham has swift obedience. Whenever God spoke to Abraham, he responds quickly. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. 
He doesn't argue. He doesn't make excuses. He's getting the wood. He's getting the donkey. He's making it up there. He's swift obedience. He's ready. He's up at dawn. He's moving quickly. Even in this heartbreaking, heart-wrenching moment, he's responding quickly. I'm going to do everything that God has required of me. I'm going to go on this journey that he's required of me. And when he gets to that place where he's supposed to sacrifice it and he's holding the knife over his son, Isaac, what happens? The angel calls out and says, Abraham, Abraham. And he says, here I am, right? Thank goodness. Thank goodness he was listening. Thank goodness he was listening. You know, the temptation we have in this moment, in that moment is if Abraham was not listening to God, If he let his heart grow hard and cold to God and disconnected from God, he would have murdered his promise. And that is the thing for us as we go through this is our number one is we need to have swift obedience. Number two is we have to remain connected to God because if we were, if we disconnect from God, we will murder his promises in our lives. We have to be able to hear what he is speaking in this moment because he was following the obedience he had for that moment. But then the angel comes and says, no, 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 hold up, stop. God is saying something else now. Don't do it. And if you are living in an old word or an old revelation, or you're listening to what God said in the past, you're gonna miss what he's saying right now. And in order to do that, you have to stay open and connected to the heart of God. Otherwise, you'll kill your promise. If that was me, I would have been angry with God. Just being real with you guys. I would have been angry with God. Raise your hand if you've ever been angry with God. It's okay, guys. I'm a pastor. I've been angry with God. There's been times where I'm like, I don't even want to pray. I don't even want to think about you, God. I'm mad. I'm mad of you. I'm mad that you're asking this of me. I'm furious that this is what's happening. And if God told me to murder my one and only son, I'd be angry. I'd be like, I'm going up to the mountain, God. You know? But Abraham, in his swift obedience, he still remains connected to God. Thank goodness for Isaac that he had a daddy who remained connected to the heart of God. Amen? Despite your distress, remain, stay connected to the heart of God. Stay dependent. Stay dependent. Abraham, here I am. Jess, here I am. Justin, here I am. Stay open. Stay connected. And after this, God says to Abraham, you have passed the test. You have passed the test. You have done everything that I have asked of you, my son. You have passed the test. And now everything that I have belongs to you. See, when you pass the test... You get showered with the blessings of God. And Abraham in this moment is showered with the blessings of God. And I'm not talking about a little blessing. I'm talking about monumental, historical, life-changing, earth-shaking blessings of God where he says, your children will be blessed. Their enemies will fall in front of them. You will have as many, you know, a legacy as big as the stars in the sky. These are the type of blessings that God showers and pours out to those who remain surrendered, connected to him, walking in swift obedience, surrendered to him. Amen. After God's testing, there's always God's blessings.
And some of you in this room have been tested. And I know that because I've walked some of the road with you. 2020 came. Some of your businesses just, woo. People with illness, with sickness. Many people in this church has, have lost close loved ones. I know that you've been tested. But I promise you, after the testing comes God's blessings. And you can look at your circumstances and you can say, I'm still here. I'm still here in the house of the Lord. Despite me losing my job, God has carried me through. Despite sexual abuse, God has carried me through. Despite me losing my loved ones, God has carried me through. Look at your life and see where God has carried you through the testing. And you're still here. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And your promises are not dead. Amen? And after this, it says Abraham receives a greater revelation of God's provision. There's more revelation of God's nature on the other side of your surrender. There's greater revelation of the goodness of God. And you can look at the testing and you can still remain connected to him because you know him. Because you know that God is good because you know his nature and you know that he is a good God. And I have supernatural revelation to know how good God is in my life. Amen. All right. Let's stand. You know, the very first time that sacrifice is mentioned in this, in the Bible is this very moment right here. And worship is costly. Worship means something when you've been tested. Worship means something when you've gone through it and you can still pour out your jar before him. And before, worship looked like, yay! And now in this moment, worship looks like, I'm stacking the wood. I'm stacking the wood. I'm I'm here, God. Here I am. I'm getting the wood. Worship doesn't always look like the yay, high praise moments. It can look like the moments in the Psalms where David says, I soaked my sheets with my tears. Your offering to God is still worship. Your offering of surrender. I put my faith in Jesus. I want to invite up anyone here to the front this morning. We're going to sing this worship song together. Anyone that needs to lay anything down at the foot of Jesus, I just boldly come bef- come up here, please. Let's just worship together. Your worship is beautiful to him. The cost is beautiful to him. sing it out my hope and firm foundation He'll never just declare it over your life come in for it there's lots of space but let your heart respond to him this morning with surrender with open heart with an open arm stay connected to him stay connected to him though they've gossiped about me God I put my faith in you Though I've lost my job and my business, God, I put my faith in you. You are my anchor. God, you are the one that carries me through.
Come on, sing it out. Don't just say the words, sing the words with your heart. Let your spirit respond to him this morning. That your trust and your hope is put in him. ministry team wants to go around and pray. Jesus, we put our faith in you. We put our trust in you. Knowing you never withhold, you never let down. We place it all at your feet today. We place it all at your feet this morning. Surrendering every crown, every accolade, every, everything that you've asked us to surrender today, we give to you in the mighty name of Jesus. You can have it all. You can have everything, every part, holding nothing back. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.